I would like to ask this morning that we stand and turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 and read responsively this chapter. Would you stand, please? Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to be studying this chapter today, and I believe it would be effective and helpful if we would all read it. And I want to read a verse, and then you read the other verse until we have completed these 40 verses of Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. By faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. But having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise of uh, promises offered up his only begotten son. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By 
faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was not years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. May we pray. Our Father, we thank you for the wonderful Word of God. In all these 40 verses of Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, we pray thou wilt apply them to our hearts today. And may we be reverent before thee. We humble ourselves in thy presence. And we ask for the gift of faith. May someone here without Christ be moved by thy Holy Spirit to trust Jesus. And may the Holy Spirit make this Bible become alive to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you be seated, please? The Bible says of itself in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we know that if the earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. How do we know that's true? By faith. We hear the words of Jesus, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. How do we know that's true? We sing those songs about the sweet by and by, saved by grace. Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing. But oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of my king, and I shall see him face to face. How do we know that's true? Faith. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise, and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Faith is the victory. There are 40 verses in chapter 11 that try to say in summary form what the whole Bible says from Genesis to Malachi and from Matthew to Revelation. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And they that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith indeed is the victory. And I want to speak to you this morning from this chapter about the definition of faith, the illustrations of faith, the price of faith, and the reward of faith. The writer of Hebrews is anonymous. We we do not know who he was. We've mentioned that several times in the study of Hebrews. But every chapter of Hebrews has stamped indelibly upon it the authenticity of the Holy Spirit. Whoever the author was, he wrote it before the fall of Jerusalem, which occurred in 70 A.D. And he was writing to Jewish Christians, those who had been saved, who had, been, who had come to Christianity from Judaism. And he was assuring them, giving them comfort and strength that their faith in Christ was valid. The key word of the study of the book of Hebrews is the word better, better, B-E-T-T-R. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than Aaron. Jesus is better than the Old Testament sacrificial system. Jesus is better than the angels. And over and over again, Jesus is better. And when we come to chapter 11, the Holy Spirit gives us a definition of, of faith. He says, now faith, in case you've missed it, been talking about it since Genesis 1-1. Been saying everything I could about it since Matthew 1-1. And since the Lord went back to heaven, and some of us have become Christians and did not even see Jesus face to face like Peter and John and James did, and we have exercised faith in him, I've been telling you all about faith. Now, Now here's what it really means. Here's a definition of faith. Write it down in your heart. Keep it in your mind. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. And then to illustrate that definition, he gives 18 illustrations. We don't have time for all those 18 illustrations this morning. But he talks about 18 illustrations of faith to sort of magnify and amplify what he's talking about. Faith gives substance to the things hoped for. Now an example that is not used in this chapter, but a very precious example. And I think I heard Dr. Bob Stevenson give this example one time several years ago. Peter was in the boat. 
Jesus was walking on the water and Peter was so startled and so amazed and he loved the Lord Jesus so much that he looked out at Jesus and said, now, now Lord, if that's really you, bid me to come to you. <laughs> you ever, ever try to do that with the promises of God? God, if those promises are really real, let me experience them. Lord, if that's really you, let me walk on that water like you are. And Jesus said, come on. And you know, the Lord is always giving us that kind of invitation. Come on, come, come and see. And so Peter climbed out of that boat and he began to walk on water. Do you know what he was walking on? Faith gave substance to that water. He wasn't just walking on H2O. You go out and try walking on H2O. You're going to sink. Unless somebody's there to save you, you're going to drown. But he was walking on the substance of faith. And he was doing what nobody had ever done before. And he began to walk to the Lord. He was so filled with God. And, was, and, and his whole heart was fixed upon the Lord. He wasn't thinking what he was doing. He was just coming to Jesus over a very troubled sea. And then suddenly he took his eyes off Jesus. It's a tragedy when we take our eyes off Jesus. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. He looked down at the water and he said, well, I guess I'm doing something nobody ever did before. He began to gloat over it a little bit. And he began to sink. One of the reasons that there's not substance to our faith and that we cannot walk on water, as it were, is because we take our eyes off Jesus. We forget what we're about. We, we forget what he has, that he has bid us to come. And we begin to think, well, look, this is so hard. This is impossible. Look what I'm doing. Why nobody ever did that before? And, and look how hard this is. Look how tough it is. We begin to sink. The interesting thing is, even after Peter was rebuked, now listen to this, a terrible lesson for us. Even after Peter was rebuked, he reached out and said, Lord, save me. The Lord did that. The Lord reached out and saved him, but Peter never walked on the water again. Now, he did some other things, but he never did that again. Comes a time, a time, if we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he'll shed on our way. But if we start looking back, and we look down, and we look at the things, and we look at the encumbrances and all the difficulties, we'll begin to sink. I think that explains why there are so many dwarfed Christians walking along, don't have spiritual strength or power. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, we want to think of some illustrations of faith that are given here. The Holy Spirit gives us 18. I just want to enumerate them and then speak about those just a moment or two. Notice, he says, For by it the elders obtain a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. How do you know God made the world? How many of you have been to college or in high school or somewhere along the line you studied about evolution. Lift your hands. A lot of us. And uh, I think the evolutionists 
had, have out-evoluted out Darwin. <laughs> I don't think Darwin ever intended for it to go as far as it's gone. Secular humanism has marched in on this and has uh, said, well, we can handle this job all by ourselves. God doesn't, isn't necessary. Uh, man did it all. And uh, that has become the religion of this day. The evolutionists would have us believe that the fittest survive regardless. How do you know God made the world? How do you know he created the sun and the moon and the stars? How do you know that he created man? How do you know he created heavens and the earth? The writer of Hebrews says, by faith we understand that the worlds were created by the word of God. You don't have to prove it. You can't put God in a test to you. Oh, there are certain arguments for the existence of God, and we study those. But in the final analysis, the writer of Hebrews says, just by faith we understand the worlds were created. You believe the Genesis account? You're sort of old-fashioned? You're sort of unlearned, never been to college, never did take history of world civilization. You never did find out about the evolutionary process. Well, poor old you. And those of you who did find out about the evolutionary process and you learned all about those theories, you must have just a closed mind, something wrong with you, because you believe that God did that. And the writer of Hebrews comes along and says, yes. Because faith says that. I believe God. Faith gives substance to that. By faith we believe that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. <laughs> he doesn't leave any, any, any place for argument there. He just says, he uses that, he, he defines that word create in the Hebrew making something from nothing. He says, that, yes, faith claims that. That's how we believe it. And then he goes into these 18 illustrations. He says, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses, by faith Joshua, by faith Rahab. Why, he says, um, I don't have time to talk to you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel. And then he just groups all these prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Micah, Nahum, back and all know. He said, groups all those together and he says, and the prophets, by faith, all these did what they did. You know, faith is mailing a letter putting a stamp on it and taking it down to the post office. Now you, not very many in this room have studied the science of the postal clerks and have written essays on now how you give this to that little letter drop and then some man with a mustache, some days he has a beard, some days he has clean face, some days he has long hair, some days short hair and he comes by and he gets that letter that you mailed, he gives it to somebody else. And then somebody else takes it and puts a stamp on it. 
And then somebody else takes that letter and puts it in a, a bag. And pretty soon there are other letters in those bags. And somebody else takes that bag and he puts it on a truck. And the truck takes it to Nashville so it can go to Louisville. And then they take it out and put it on an airplane. And then they take it through the air and so on. You haven't, how many of you have taken time to study all that out? No, you just go down and mail your, write, write your letter, put a stamp on it, mail it. And by faith, you believe that in a couple of days or a week or so, it's going to get to where it's going. Well, it's faith. Faith is putting your money in a bank. You write a deposit slip, put your money in the bank. You don't go in there and say, I want to see Mr. President. Mr. President, I want, to tell, I want to ask him, I want you to show me all about now how this money goes when I put this dollar in there or $5 or whatever I've got and I put on a deposit slip. I want you to explain to me how it goes about, how it all gets here, and how it goes into, how you put it on a book and how after a while I can write a check and get it out of the bank. I don't understand that. You know, by faith you do it. You see, we live by faith all the time. Every little operation we do. This morning when somebody came to church, they turned the lights on. How, how on earth could you push a little switch back there and all these lights come on? And, and where's the light source come from? Somewhere downtown or somewhere? You know, we live by faith. Almost everything we do is, is an operation of faith. I'll tell you, it really takes faith when you go down to the airport and you get on a plane. And pretty soon they roll that gangplank up, or whatever it's called. And you're sitting in there and the, and the plane drives down to the end of a runway and it goes and you shake all over because it's trying its uh, jet propellers and so on and then uh, you you just sit there and you, they say fasten your seat belts and you fasten them pretty soon you just Whoo! And you lean way back and you're up there and you look down there's nothing under you nothing you're held up on nothing so how in the world could that happen well just by faith you, you're doing it now listen, why is it so much harder to do spiritual things by faith than all these other things? I want to tell you why. I, I know the answer. I want to tell you why. Because only a master's minority exercise faith in God. I'm going to repeat that. I hope you'll write it down. Only a master's minority exercise faith in God. Millions of people get on those planes. Billions of people turn on the lights. Thousands of people mail letters. We do all those things by faith, but when it comes to trusting God, it's a master's minority. Most of us say we're from Missouri. We want to see before we can do it. Every illustration of these 18 that I mentioned, plus all the prophets, were men who believed God to do the impossible. God said, Joshua, I want you to cross the, the Jordan River. First, I'm going to let you cross it on dry land just to exercise your faith a little bit. You see that Jordan River is flood stage. Uh, I want you to walk down there. We're not going to build a bridge. I want you to walk down there and I'm going to, I'm going to stop the waters. And the minute you enter in, you look foolish now if the waters aren't stopped. But the minute you enter in, those waters will be stopped. And I suppose Joshua the night before thought, I just suppose those waters aren't, aren't, aren't stopped. And I've told all the people that we're going to march across there on dry land. Well, 
I guess he got down on his knees and said, God, that's going to make you look sort of funny. Because I've told all the people, God's going to get you, get us across on dry land. God said, don't worry about it. I can handle that job all by myself. I can take care of that. And so, the next morning, Joshua said, come on, tell them, let's go. And they marched down to the sea and the priests were there, I mean, to the river. The priests were there. The minute they set their feet in that river, the water's backed up. And they went across the Jordan River on dry land. Came to the other side of the, the river. Had a time of consecration. And uh, their faith was buoyed up a little bit. They'd seen God do something. Now, they needed that because God was going to ask them to do a whole lot too. And you know, God get, sometimes gives us some miracles so he can trust us in the lean times when we don't see the miracles. And God said, Joshua, I want you to do the craziest thing you ever heard of. The children of Israel are going to laugh you out of town. But I want you to do this. I want you to go up there to that city of Jericho and march around it seven different days. Seven times. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times. And after you've done it seven times, I want you to blow your trumpets. Don't fire a shot. Don't try to do it for yourself. And those walls are going to come tumbling down. Joshua said, now God... Are you sure you mean that, Lord? Oh, you and I are going to look crazy if that doesn't happen. Yes, Lord, you, you, Joshua, you can trust me. I'll do it. Now, how did Joshua know God was going to do that? How do you know it? He'd never done it before. Never seen anything like that happen before. How'd that happen? How did Joshua know? He simply believed God. And so, he announced to the children of Israel what they were going to do. And those children of Israel believed Joshua. I don't think that each one of them went out and said, now I'm going to have a prayer meeting with God all night and said, now God, are you sure, Jer Jer are you sure that Joshua is right? Is he misleading us or is he telling us right? It is, what about this now, God? It doesn't say that. Now, they might have done that. I don't know. Been all right if they'd done it. They'd have gotten the same answer if they were in the will of God. But they just believed Joshua crazy thing Joshua told him to do just crazy out of his how many of you would ever do a thing like that how many of you were military men you were in Vietnam or Korea or World War II or World War One or Civil War or something like that any of you lift your hands if you were all right some of you were now if God told you to do a silly thing like that what would you have done well that's what he told General Joshua. And old Joshua didn't have any more sense than to believe God. Sometimes we get too much sense to believe God. And Joshua just believed God. He took the children of Israel, marched around there one day, the next day, the next day, the next day, seven days. Seventh day, they marched around seven times, and then they blew their trumpets, and here came all the walls down. And they didn't fire a shot. And God said, the battle belongs to me. Now that's an illustration of faith. I could go on and give you all the others that are in here, but I won't do it. Eighteen illustrations of faith. Plus all the prophets. I want to talk to you a moment about the price of faith. Look in verses 24 to 27. By faith... Moses, when he was come to years 
refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. If you're studying the Bible and you have a pen in your hand this morning, mark these words. In verse 24, refused. Verse 25, choosing. Verse 26, esteeming. Verse 26, respect. Verse 27, forsook. Verse 27, endured. The price of faith. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We have to refuse some things. If you're going to be a man or a woman or a young person of faith, you're going to have to refuse some things. You can't be with the popular crowd all the time. There are going to have to be some refusals. We'll have to learn how to say no. Hardest word in the English language. We're going to have to know how to say no. Refuse some things. It was easy for Moses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He grew up in her court. And if I understand correctly, it's very possible that he might have been next in line to be the Pharaoh. I don't know for sure. Moses threw all that aside. He said, that, I don't, that's just like wood, hay, and stubble to me. Paul said, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. We have to learn to refuse some things. Look at verse 29, 25. He chose to suffer the afflictions with the people of God. Have you ever chosen to suffer? How many of us would do that? We choose not to suffer. The only people that I know that, that really choose to suffer are precious women who go down through the valley of the shadow of death to bring life into this world. They choose to do that. Most of us try to choose some other way other than suffering. But if we're going to be people of faith, we're going to have to make some choices that deal with suffering. We're not going to be popular all the time. People will wonder about us. And look in verse 20. Six, esteeming the reproach of Christ. In other words, he, he esteemed Christ greater than all these things. What place does Christ have in our life? Where does he fit into our life? He had respect under the recompense of the reward. He was looking forward to something better. He forsook Egypt and he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's the price of faith. I want to tell you, I don't know how I believe, about, I feel about the people who talk about easy believism concerning salvation. I believe that salvation is so simple that a child, though a way, and, a, and a man, though a wayfaring man, though a fool, he shall not err therein. That's what the Bible says. I was nine when I received Christ as my Savior. A lot of things I didn't know. I've seen people that were five years old get saved. Some 11 years old get saved. Lots of things we don't know. But you know, it takes a lot of faith to go on with God. It's very simple to get saved. 
It's more complex to go on with God. And let me tell you a little secret. I'm not even preaching. I'm just sort of talking to you out of my heart this morning. Listen. There are a lot of people who have come to Jesus and gotten forgiveness for their sins. And they're going to heaven. But they've never exercised faith. They've never chosen to suffer for Christ. When you give your heart to Jesus Christ, the very first thing that he wants you to suffer is public acknowledgement of him. And do you know there are a lot of people who won't even do that? They want Christ personally as their Savior, but they don't want to have the courage or the guts to get on their feet and walk down an aisle and say, I'm one of you now, church. And the reason they don't do it is because it's hard. The night I got saved, uh, there's a big crowd in that church, and I was afraid of all those people, and I just bowed my head and said, Lord, I'm afraid of all these people. I don't know what to do. I want to be saved. And it just seemed like I heard Jesus say, Richard, if you'll take the first step, I'll go with you the rest of the way. And just by faith, I took that step. And it wasn't nearly as hard as I thought it was going to be. God can give you that kind of faith. And as you keep on walking the ladder toward heaven, there are going to be some tough times. It's tough to learn to tithe. That's a faith measure. I'll tell you, it's really hard when you know in your heart that a loved one's going to be taken away from you. And you don't know what to do with it. You don't even know how to deal with it. What do I say? What do I do? Lord, I'd like to stop this. I want to stop this process. I don't want this to happen. We stood recently by several people whose loved ones were going down in the valley. They knew it. It was just waiting, 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 waiting. And I want to tell you, if you don't have faith in a time like that, you're in serious trouble. But even with faith, there are tears. There are times, it's tough times. But faith is the victory even through the suffering. That's the price of faith. I want to talk to you just a moment about the reward of faith. Look at I didn't even get a chance to talk to you all about the sufferings of faith and the whole price of faith. Some of the men who trusted in the Lord were strung up between two trees and the trees were, then the trees were let go and then somebody came along and saw them in two. Isaiah, that happened to Isaiah. Tell you that. Jeremiah, he was put down in a dungeon, killed down in Egypt. Time would fail me to tell you about the others. The price of faith, there's a price with it, but there's some rewards. Listen to this. In verses 14 to 16, listen to this. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if that had been, they'd been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. He hath prepared for them a city. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. 
For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. Somebody says, you Christians are too much otherworldly. You need a faith for this world. Well, I want to tell you, the greatest faith we have for this world is the faith we have for the other world. And a person that has no faith for the other world has very little faith for this world. You can have a case or all, or all attitude and go through life and never seem to worry and never be anxious about anything. When you come down to the end, if you don't have faith that's cast out into the very presence of God, you're of all men most miserable. There may be someone within the sound of my voice today who does not have that faith. And if you just cast your faith into the presence of Jesus who died on the cross for you and me. He paid the price for sin. He died for us. If you put your faith in him, then faith is the victory for time and for all eternity. You say, how do you do that? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's faith. Put your faith in Jesus today. Right now, sitting in this auditorium, your faith is in that pew you're sitting on. You have been sitting here nearly an hour, and I don't know anybody that's been scared to death that that pew is going to fall. You've trusted it. You said, well, surely those people over at Glendale wouldn't have pews in this auditorium that would fall if we sat on them, so you just trust them. That's exercise faith. I'm asking you to exercise faith in Jesus and trust Him and believe upon Him for your own soul's salvation and then for a life of service and then for a promotion to be with the Lord. May we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. For just a moment. Our Father, we thank Thee for this time to study the Bible. We thank You for what You've told us in Your Word about faith. We pray that someone would exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we would go from here, believers in You, delivered from the bondage of doubt. In Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. 249, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. The invitation will be closing in a moment. Very, very swiftly, this hour is passing by. But you can make a commitment that will be recorded for all eternity if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ right now and trust him, believe upon him, Ask Him to come into your heart and be your Savior. He'll forgive you and save you and cleanse you. Would you do that today? We're going to start singing this hymn. I'm going to be standing at the front. If you're willing to give your heart to Jesus today, I want to ask you to just step out from where you are and, and come and let me have a word of prayer with you. Would you do that? God help you to do it. And there may be somebody here who would say, well, I've already asked Jesus into my heart well, I want to ask you to identify yourself with God's people today. While we sing, who'd step out for Christ? Will you come quickly?